Welcome to The Art of Significance with your host, Hall of Fame speaker, New York Times bestselling author, university professor, gold record songwriter, and award-winning athlete, Dan Clark. Get ready for engaging discussions with some of the most influential people in the world who will impart their wisdom, stories, and inspiration on why and how to achieve the level beyond success. Now here's your host, Dan Clark. How are you today? Welcome. You know, last week we had a, um, a rebroadcast of one of my favorite radio shows, and that was back by popular demand. When you're a podcast on demand, internet-based radio show, it is so different than just tuning into your radio station on AM or FM because we have so many that actually log in, if you will, and listen to the show live, and I appreciate all of you, and that that listenership is growing every single week, and I appreciate that. <clears throat> but because it's internet-based, because this is voiceamerica.com, it allows us to rebroadcast my show several times during the week until we come back live on a Tuesday. So I challenge all of you to spread the word. And regardless of which time zone, in which time zone you live, or any of your friends, I think that once you have a a good experience with my show, listening to my phenomenal guests every week, that you will spread the word. You'll also go to my website, danclark.com, and join my tribe. I give away so many free things, and I have online public speaking courses. I'm a Hall of Fame speaker been a professional speaker for 35 years, teaching public speaking at the university level now for over 10 years. So if there is any way I can help you with your presentation skills, with your public speaking, if you believe that you're on this earth to do something magnificent, significant, and right now in your current situation, in your current job, that you're not fulfilling your ultimate capacity and potential as a human being, if you're not rising to the occasion of being everything you were born to be, Join my tribe. Go to danclark.com. Click on receive free gifts and training. And the reason why I say that every single week is because we become the average of the five people we associate with the most. You hear that time and time again, but we learn through spaced repetition. And if that's true, which we all know it is, we must be willing to pay any price and travel any distance to associate with extraordinary human beings, not just belly to belly in person. But obviously on the internet, obviously communicating on our uh, on our handheld devices, on our computers, and uh, downloading whenever we possibly can to listen as often as we can at another time. You know, this entire week we've been promoting and broadcasting and advertising two significant human beings who are going to occupy my entire two-hour show. The first guest is Jason Deere. And we'll be bringing him on. As you know, my format is always to interview a hit songwriter and ask him or her when they became a songwriter, when they knew that they had this amazing talent and were able to trigger passion, creativity, and imagination and dig deep inside to to change the world one song, one note, one melody, one lyric at a time. And Jason Deere is an extraordinary human being, a dear, dear friend. And I can't wait to interview him in our second, third segments, excuse me. The second guest that we've been advertising all week long is the famous Daniel Rudy Rudiger. They made the movie Rudy about him and how he walked on as a football player at the University of Notre Dame 
and his struggles and his amazing, you know, story that was made into this feature film that brings us all to our feet, that brings tears to our eyes, that encourages the underdog in all of us to just rise above obstacles and make our dreams come true. Unfortunately, Rudy has been caught up in this horrific weather. It snowed here in um, northern Utah last night. There was hail on I-80 up towards Evanston, Wyoming, and flooding in so many of our small towns. It's unbelievable. And Rudy is caught up in the weather, and he's had a flight cancel, and then he had a flight rescheduled. And right now he is stranded, and we decided that he would not come on the air and then have to run to catch a flight in case they announced that his plane was about to take off. So we will reschedule him for a upcoming show. Who knows, maybe even by next week, but at least in the next couple of weeks. And you're in for a treat because not only is Dan uh, Rudiger or Rudy, I'll just call him, not only is Rudy's story that was made into a film extraordinary, but the way... And the, the way, he, not the way, the hoops he had to jump through and the struggles he had to go through and endure and the fears he had to face just to get the movie made, just to get his story on a big screen is mostly his story, the inspirational story behind making the film. And because of that, I decided to call on a couple of friends to not just fill in for the vacancy of Rudy, but to keep us on that same high level of the entertainment world that this themed show was going to be about. And so my second guest is going to be this amazing, beautiful woman inside and out. I just wish so badly that this was a television show, not just a radio show. And as we laugh, yeah, Clark, I have a a face for radio, as we say, but to have an opportunity for you to see the outside beauty of this inside beauty. Her name is Tara Starling, dear, dear friend, and she's a makeup artist to the stars who's been on set of some of the biggest all-time films ever made. And we're going to talk to her about extraordinary experiences with some of the stars. But I want her to tell us and teach us about what really matters most to her, and that's debunking the the beauty myth as she would say, redefining beauty and living as the star of your own life. And then our last guest today, I thought would be fun to bring on somebody who could just make us laugh about the things that sometimes go wrong. Rudy wanted to be on the show. Rudy's a class human being. Rudy's responsible celebrity. But sometimes things happen out of our control. Well, if we can't laugh about the things that happen to us that take us off guard, we're going to live a miserable existence. So we have, as my last guest, Keith Stubbs, who's a triple threat in showbiz and entertainment. He's a hilarious stand-up comedian, talented actor, and award-winning radio personality himself. You don't want to miss any of my guests. Before we go to the first commercial break, Let me just share a story. We like to laugh and we like to put things into perspective at the beginning of every single one of my shows, and that's become my trademark. I get so much feedback from you listeners on how we are able to communicate on this show in two hours and laugh together and uh, feel together and think together and sometimes even cry together. 
There's a legendary story told every single winter at the beginning of our ski season here in Utah. A married couple went to Utah. They came here for a ski holiday. And it was a beautiful spring day with perfect snow conditions and perfect weather, but long lines at the lifts. Halfway through the day, the wife needed to use the washroom, but because the slopes were crowded and she wanted to make the most of the day, she kept skiing. In fact, her husband kept encouraging her, oh, let's not go now. I mean, the line's long. The line's long. Let's just keep rolling. Let's try to get as many runs in today as we possibly can. And run after runner, run after run, she put it off until eventually she gave in and headed for the facilities. Her overzealous husband pleaded just one more trip up. You can have your comfort break when we get to the top of the mountain. But at the top, they found the washroom facilities in the lodge were clogged and temporarily closed. As they skied to the bottom, she was unable to hold it any longer. The woman told her husband to stand guard while she went into the trees. Are you with me? Can you visualize it? Suddenly, with her skis still on and her pants down, the woman lost her balance and came shooting out of the trees going backwards. Picking up speed, she flew across the ski run, hit the ski lift tower, and broke her leg. Her husband flagged down the ski patrol, escorted them down the mountain, and took her to the hospital. Sitting in the emergency room, trying to take her mind off the pain, she engaged another patient in conversation. She says, why are you here? To the guy. Lady, he responded, you wouldn't believe what happened today. I was skiing and riding up the ski lift when a woman came shooting out of the trees going backwards with her drawers down around her ankles. She hit the tower and broke her leg. I started laughing so hard that I fell off the ski lift and broke my arm. <laughs> I think that's one of the greatest stories. Talk about a word picture. And I can't vouch for the fact that it's absolutely true. But let's just say it is because every single winter, we pull that out and share that with our listeners, with our guests, with our friends, with our family members to just have a good laugh, obviously, to put our lives into perspective, to remind us that things aren't always as they seem to be. And that leads me to my final little story is the preamble to my first guest, Jason Deere, coming up after the commercial break. Obviously, every single one of you who tune into my show know that I'm a primary contributing author to the Chicken Soup for the Soul series. I've written 34 of my own books. I'm a New York Times bestselling author. I only share that because I take a lot of pride in using every single vehicle and avenue that I can come up with, that I'm exposed to, to use those platforms to influence the world. And that's why it's such an honor for me to be on this voiceamerica.com radio network, and especially on the Influencers Channel. There's so many other channels to choose from. There's so many AM, FM radio programs to choose from. You can create your own golden goodies on series. You can do it on series. You can do whatever you want to do. But I would hope, and in fact, I would hope and pray, you will see the vision in joining me every single week or several times a week on the on the podcast rebroadcast opportunities on demand as i said to think and 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 feel and and laugh and cry <clears throat> and it brings up my most famous chicken soup for the soul story of all time 
I wrote this story when I was 13 years of age, and I only bring that up because my English teacher in junior high school saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. If that's not service before self, I don't know what is. If that's not proving true, a a fabulous quote that wealth flows through you, not to you, and adding my Zig Ziglar-ism onto that, that means you can get anything in this life that you want if you're willing to help enough other people get what they want. That's what this show is about. Keith Stubbs is my final guest is a comedian. He's an entertainer, and his mission on earth is to make people laugh, to let us escape the trials and tribulations of our daily tasks, of our daily journey, and lighten our load. Tara Starling, my second guest, she is about makeup and taking someone and creating a masterpiece from whatever that person is. And that's not putting on a fake mask of makeup. That's metaphorically saying, wait a minute, the goal is not for us to change. The goal is for us to become more of who we already are. And she's going to talk about how do we unleash and uncover and, and, and promote that inner beauty. But Jason Deere, my guest coming up, my gosh, the influence that music has in our lives. Well, he's not only an incredible songwriter out of Oklahoma, good old boy, but he's a producer and anyone who has dreamed of being a musician, anyone who's had the experience of going into a recording studio and having a producer bring out the best in you, saying, I think you got a better one. And then you sing the song, I think you got a better one. You sing the chorus, I think you got a better one. And to have someone like Jason Deere in your studio is the reason why you can take an ordinary song and turn it into a top 10 hit, an ordinary lyric and turn it into a number one song. And metaphorically, we need to be able to do that in our lives. And that's why we've gone full circle already on my show, ladies and gentlemen, that we do become the average of the five people we associate with the most. And when we seek out extraordinary human beings, we've got to remember that the law of attraction is about we attract what we believe we deserve in relationships, in our jobs, in our life. And therefore, in order for us to attract extraordinary human beings, we must first be extraordinary human beings. And that's what this story is about. 13 years of age, Mrs. Smart, my English teacher, said, Danny, I think you should write a story and and compete in this essay speech competition. I said, no, that's not me. I could no more speak than fly to the moon. She encouraged me, and I wrote this story that was eventually made into a film at Paramount Studios starring the late Jack Lemmon. Elmer Bernstein, he was an Academy Award-winning composer, wrote the musical score, and I'm very proud of this. It's already won 22 film festivals, first aired in my backyard at the Sundance Film Festival, and the message of the story is the message of the show take time to really understand, especially when things aren't as they seem to be. A store owner was tacking a nail and a sign above his store door, which read puppies for sale. Signs like that have a way of attracting small children, and sure enough, a little boy appears at the store owner's side. He says, how much are you going to sell the puppies for? The store owner assured the little boy that they were very, very good dogs, and he didn't expect to let any of them go for anything less than $35 to $50. To that, the little boy reaches in his pocket. He pulls out some change. He counts for a minute. He looks up at the store owner and he says, well, sir, I have $2.37. Can I look at the little puppies? 
The store owner smiles. He says, sure, son, and he whistles. <laughs> Out of the kennel comes a lady running down the aisle of his store, followed by five little teeny balls of fur, one puppy lagging considerably behind the others. Immediately, the little boy singles out the lagging, limping puppy, says, what's wrong with that little dog? The stoner says, oh, we took that dog to the veterinarian. Doctor examined it, discovered it didn't have a hip socket. It would always limp. It would always be slow. Little kid says, that's the little puppy I want to buy. The stoner says, what? No, you don't want to buy that little dog. He's, he's never going to be able to run and jump and play with you like, like the other little puppies. To that, the little boy says, I want that little puppy, and I'm going to pay you $2.37 now and 50 cents a month until I have him paid for. Storner says, no, 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 you don't want that little dog. Just then, the little boy reaches down. He pulls up his pant leg to reveal a badly twisted left leg supported by a steel splint, big brace going down each side of his leg. The little physically challenged kid looks up at the store and he says, well, sir, I don't really run so well myself. And the little puppy will need someone who understands. This is Dan Clark of VoiceAmerica.com Influencers Channel. Let's go to commercial break and we'll be back with my first guest, the extraordinary songwriter. More importantly, talent developer, manager, and producer of hit songs and extraordinary superstar artists, Jason Deere. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back in a moment. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. I just got out of a meeting where the unbelievable Dan Clark was the keynote speaker. He is clearly the most interesting man in the world. He's been into space. He reminded us to think bigger. He's a primary contributor to those chicken soup books. And he inspired all of us to make our lives matter. He taught us how to deal with change like he had to when he had to recover from a paralyzing football injury. Everybody needs to hear his message on leadership and safety and how he turns last place NFL teams into Super Bowl champions. Call this number, 1-800-676-1121 and visit danclark.com. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, Strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You're listening to The Art of Significance, featuring your host, Dan Clark. 
If you want to join in on this week's discussion, give us a call at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop down a line via email to danclark at xmission.com. Now back to the Art of Significance. Here again is Dan Clark. Welcome back with my first guest, Jason Deer. And I know, Jason, you don't understand, but that little intro, that guitar solo was off my first album in 1983 when I could actually feel like I I, I could play. And my dream was to be Eddie Van Halen, <laughs> but apparently I couldn't snort Ajax Cleanser enough. And so I've lost my, my talent. I can't rip on the or shred on the guitar once I could. You Jason, are a rock star. Always will be. So- you're so funny. Jason Deere has made a career of writing and producing award-winning songs and developing hit artists. Ladies and gentlemen, if you remember how I just introduced him, every single one of us needs someone in our life who sees us not for what we are, but for what we have the potential to become. And as I said, in a recording studio, the producer has these little nuances that it seems like every hit songwriter needs to hear and that is wait i think you got a better one no i think if we just changed it this way or if you put emphasis on the consonant instead of the vowel things that we don't even think about in our everyday life are illuminated in a recording studio but only by a producer who understands the difference between success and significance jason deer is sought after by artists seasoned veterans Uh, up-and-coming artists from all over the world because of his ability to see someone and that song and link the right voice with the right song at the right time for the right reasons. So Jason's uh, incredible resume goes on and on and on, but I want to emphasize that he is so famous and so beloved for developing hit artists. His songs have been recorded by artists like Little Big Town, Lady Antebellum, Marie Osmond, David Archuleta, and Shadaisy. He has a lengthy list of film and television credits and is devoted to helping artists become major label recording successes. We're going to talk to him every single time I, I, I talk to you, Jason. Every time I run into you, part of the conversation is, oh, yes, I'm working with this new artist, or I discovered this young lady, or I discovered this young man, and I'm working on their career. What a, what a, what a blessing you've been. Jason wrote and produced two best-selling award-winning albums about the history of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Go figure. The first one is the National, Nashville Tribute to the Prophet in the Trek, and the Nashville Tribute to the Pioneers. Because I live here in Utah, that's always very intriguing and what an interesting subject to talk about. Jason also invites a revolving cast of talented artists and musicians that he calls the Nashville Tribute Band, like piano player from Diamond Rio, one of our mutual friends, Dan Truman. His dad just tragically passed away, lived an amazing life over 90 years of age. My best to Dan Truman and his family. We both love him. Anyway, these amazing artists, these superstars, joined Jason in touring the world, and the band has performed over 1,300 shows for audiences worldwide. Jason, let's cut right to the chase, brother. It is such an honor to have me, I mean, to have you on my show, and I need you to speak slowly because you still have this Oklahoma Nashville twang that our guests and <laughs> listeners from New York still can't figure out, baby. What's up? <laughs> 
Oh, that's funny. I'll talk as slow as I can. I'm not too, you know, it's so great to be on here. It's so great to hear you uh, doing your thing and inspiring people. You always, always have as long as I've known you. And it's, uh, it's just, it's just great to be a part of it for a minute. Well, this is my platform way of sharing you with the world in, in a different way than just through your music. Let's talk. When did you discover that you were a songwriter? You know, um, I started playing guitar in about the, uh, when I was a junior in high school, right before my junior in high school back in 1986. And, and I played for a while, just kind of taught myself and I was too impatient and too ADD, I guess, to really take many lessons and get it figured out how to do it the right way. So I just, uh, I just played, played and played. And I wrote a song one day, I decided I was going to write something about something that I knew about. And I wrote a song about my grandpa, a guy who I'd spent a lot of time with and it was probably terrible, but I went and played it for my mom and dad, and, and they cried, and I cried, and I thought, man, this is uh, this is something that uh, that that I that I want to do more of, and I, I did a lot more of it, and started, and girls started liking that, and that was easy to want to do more of that. So that's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> uh, but you know the, the 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 magic of songwriting is such an interesting thing. You know, in that in in the amazing Helen Keller Keller story, you know, after she's had this uh, you know this this person who's had done gone far and beyond to help her realize Helen can't hear, she can't speak, um, she's blind, and that one famous you know in the movie uh, that one famous moment when she gets that water means water. And we all know that moment. Um, sometimes, sometimes we write a song that strikes an emotion or a feeling or, or an experience that somebody says, bang, you just put in three minutes exactly this thing that I experienced. And uh, that's why my wife loves Chicago songs, you know, uh, because it <laughs> reminds her of the first time she was uh, had a crush on boys back in, in mid-high and whatnot. So uh, I love the magic of that, of somebody saying, dang, you just nailed something that I couldn't put into words or, or, uh, and you just put it, you just put it into something that means something to me. And, um, it's hard to do, but when it happens, it's magic. And like Trisha Yearwood always <clears throat> reminds us the song remembers when, who was your greatest musical influence to you? Do you think? Wow. Um, you know, it's a really funny thing in the second grade. Um, I, after watching the TV show, I came in and said, Mom, I want to learn how to comb my hair like Glenn Campbell. That's what I called him. And, uh, and I think I heard Glenn Campbell do something. I know that uh, it was right when Rhinestone Cowboy was a big deal and my, my second grade teacher. I said, Mom, how do, how do I do what he does? And she said, well, you got to sing in front of people every chance you get. And the next day, Miss Chestnut called my mom and said, Gail, um, your son is standing on top of his desk singing for the rest of my class. I'm not quite <laughs> sure what to do about it. Uh, so, you know, uh, I wouldn't say that Glenn Campbell was the only influence, but he was certainly one of the earliest ones that I thought was dang cool. He could play, he could sing, and he uh, he translated. He, 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 he made songs make sense. That's uh, just so funny. You know, one day I was speaking down in Phoenix. <clears throat> my hero cousin, he's about six years older than me, you know, Vietnam vet cover of of, uh, of uh, Money Magazine, just an extraordinary human being. He finds out I'm in town. He says, will you go and speak at my son's elementary school? I said, yeah. I show up at Hopi Elementary School, and I'm greeted at the door by two women, Alice Cooper's wife and Glenn Campbell's wife. They're co-PTA presidents, and their sons are <laughs> friends with my nephew. 
Wow. So, so I spoke cool. at Arcadia High School in the library that day <clears throat> to all the leaders. And two weeks later, the student body president from Arcadia calls me and goes, we want you to speak at our commencement at Arcadia High School. What's your speaker's fee? I said, I want breakfast or lunch with Alice Cooper and Glenn Campbell. He says, I can't do that. I said, I know you can because their kids are going to go to Arcadia. You pull it off. Well, long story shorter, they pulled it off. So, man, we'll have to talk over hot chocolate one day and commiserate, man. What a funny story. That's hey, brother, amazing. so... So when did you decide that you could take your talents from Oklahoma to Nashville to go to Twangtown, USA, Music City, USA, and really make it a full-time career? Well, I wanted to get a college education um, uh, first. It was really important to me. Not that I was ever going to really, you know, I got my degree in English literature, and I did that specifically to get an education and to uh, to learn the language the best I could because I knew I wanted to be a songwriter. Um, and so... Um, I think, and I didn't know a soul in Nashville, but somebody had tell me some really good advice to become the best at what you do, where you are first, and then go to where it all happens. And, uh, you know, for me, it was, it was either going to New York or LA or at that time, Miami or uh, Nashville. And it wasn't a hard choice to, to see where I fit. Um, when I wrote songs, country was what came out first, even though I've ended up writing for a lot of different genres and, in a lot of different things, but, um, uh, Nashville was just always a place. And, um, uh, my wife and I were young married. I was, I don't know, 25. She was probably 23. And we just, uh, both graduated on the same day in 1994 from the university of Oklahoma and just pointed the truck East. My dad was a, <laughs> a left brain banker. And, uh, he told me later that he watched us drive take off down I-40 and thought that's the biggest idiot that's ever been born <laughs> of a woman because <laughs> he, he didn't he didn't get it at all and uh, you know in the end the one thing that's been great I, I, I love my dad I know he would have helped me if he could have but I love it that I did something that my parents couldn't have helped me if they wanted to um, whether I whether I sank or swim whether I failed or or, um, or succeeded out here it was it was all on me um, because nobody can really help you in this business. And I think that's something that a lot of times people reach out and say, Hey, can you help me? Can you do this? And the people that can help you are the people that see that you're doing it already and you're going to do it with or without their help. That's mm. when they can step in. And that takes a whole lot of confidence. It takes a whole lot of, uh, waking up a whole lot of mornings in a row and saying, I'm going to win at this thing. Uh, cause it's a flogging. This is not an easy way to make a living, um, but it is. Uh, it's so important that you gain the confidence in yourself that you that you can do this because people can't really help you unless you're going to do it. Does that make any Life, sense? Yeah, you know, we help those who help themselves. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay, in mm-hmm. the food, in <clears throat> the true bluebird cafe sense of the word, let's talk about. A song that we're going to hear in just a moment, Little Goodbyes. Tell us about the story behind that song. How did you come up with the idea? How did you write it? And then we're going to be privileged enough to hear the uh, performance by Shadezi of this amazing hit. Well, you bet. Well, my wife and I just closed our eyes and pointed our finger at a map when we moved out to Nashville. And uh, we just picked an apartment complex and happened to move in to these three beautiful sisters uh, that lived uh, down the hall from us in this apartment complex. And we hung out with them, got to be friends first, and they they uh, they could sing great, and they were just looking for a producer. And I said, well, I'll help you find a producer. And I helped them find a producer, and uh, after a while, they that didn't work out uh, between them and the producer they were working with, and they came to me and said, hey, 
we want you to produce this. And I said, I don't know what that means, but okay. And we were all just pretty much too stupid to know we couldn't do it. And so, uh, Kristen, uh, who was one of the three girls who primarily did the writing, she and I set out to write. And, um, the very first song we ever wrote was, uh, was little goodbyes. And it's really interesting because at the time they were too pop, the stuff that we were doing, everybody was saying it's too pop. They were saying their shoes are too platform. They're too big. They wear too much makeup They're They do these little dance moves. It's not country. It's not whatever, whatever. And I remember one line in particular in the song that says, uh, I made my mind up and made a sandwich. Uh, somebody said, stop, stop, stop. You can't say made my mind up and made a sandwich. And, um, you know, two million records later and, and uh, <laughs> three, three top fives. And I, I, feel, I felt like that uh, kid that rides by on the Simpsons cartoon, you know, on the bicycle when somebody falls down and goes, hey, you know. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, it, it's really funny people can tell you how it's supposed to be done. And, um, when you do it and it's right, it's like hitting that sweet spot on a bat. When you, when you swing it, man, you know, when there's just no, when there's no resistance and there's no feeling in that ball, it's just soaring out of there. You run with it. Um, because that, that's when it resonates, you know, it's going to resonate with other, other people. And that's what we felt about that song. And, uh, ended up being a big hit for them and launching, launching their career. It was a pleasure to be a part of. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking with Jason Deere, hit songwriter and extraordinary producer of award-winning songs and you know, with the fame of developing hit artists and working with Little Big Town on Lady Annabella, Marie Osmond, David Archuleta. And now let's hear the performance of Little Goodbyes by Shadaisy. i 
is Dan Clark, VoiceAmerica.com, the Influencers Channel. You just listened to Shadaisy sing their hit song, Little Goodbyes, written by my hero, by my friend, by a hit songwriter, Jason Deere, who's been our guest. Jason, how do we download your music? How do we get in touch with you if you want to hire you to come in and do a corporate gig, which I highly recommend, or to bring you in with your Nashville tribute band? Give us some ways to contact you. Listen, so nice of you. Um, uh, JasonDeer.com. Uh, anything you send to the comment thing there comes straight to me. Uh, NashvilleTribute.com is, uh, is a thing I'd love to talk about here in a second. Um, either one of those things, if you uh, you know write something to the, the commentary, it'll come straight to me. So JasonDeer.com or NashvilleTribute.com. And that's D-E-E-R-E. Let's go to commercial right. break. We're coming right back with Jason Deere to talk about another one of his amazing projects. I think it's divinely inspired myself, changing the world one song, one note, one performance at a time. Commercial break. We'll be right back with Jason Deere. Hear the stories. Be motivated. Be inspired. Join us today. Voice America Influencers. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit VoiceAmerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. If you're an event meeting planner like me, you have two ongoing challenges. You can't afford to have a speaker who bombs. And when you do have an amazing speaker, who in the world do you bring into next year's meeting that will top them? Well, you never have to worry again. Book Dan Clark. Dan Clark is one of the most incredible human beings on the planet. He's been named one of the top 10 speakers in the world. He's known for customizing his speech around your meeting theme. So your people leave with benefits that last a lifetime. Here's the number, 1-800-676-1121. Or just visit danclark.com. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You're listening to The Art of Significance, featuring your host, Dan Clark. If you want to join in on this week's discussion, give us a call at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop down a line via email to Clark at xmission.com. Now back to the Art of Significance. Here again is Dan Clark. You've been listening to my guest, Jason Deere, who's made a career of writing and producing award-winning songs and developing hit artists. Even though this segment is shorter than the first one, 
it could be the most significant part of any of the discussions I've had with all of the other Grammy award-winning songwriters I've had on my show since I've been on the air. Let's just cut right to the chase. Jason, I went up into space October 23rd, 2010. I saw the curvature of the earth, gazed in the endless blackness of the universe. And when we landed, what occurred to me is that everything we can take with us when we die, I had aboard with me on that aircraft. Number one, did my life matter? Am I willing to focus in on things that outlast myself and convince myself so that I can share with the world that there's a a level beyond success that we call significance? That's how you're going to be remembered, bro, so that you live your life so you do not die. You refuse to die with your music still in you, brother. That's the greatest compliment I could pay you. You're just, you epitomize that. Let's talk about some of the music without getting into the details because I'm going to have you back time and time again as my guest. Every time I see you, I can't, I can't share with you enough the impact that your songs like How Much, how much, uh, how much Can One Heart Take and some of your other great hit songs that just bring tears to your eyes. This last song that we're going to listen to after we talk for a moment is called Tears on My Feet. And it comes from your recordings with the Nashville Tribute Band. In any way, shape, or form, describe to my listeners how this came about, what your purpose is, and everyone keep in mind that Jason comes into cities such as Boise, Idaho, and he galvanizes all of the religions in the area to celebrate religious freedom and puts together these conglomerate choirs of every religious tradition and faith you can imagine to celebrate your Christian heritage, your belief, and your reputation in bringing together all faiths is so extraordinary. And then the songs you sing that bring us to tears so we feel the spirit so that we understand there's something larger in life than ourselves is extraordinary. I got to stop talking. I could talk about you all day long, brother. Let's just cut right to the chase. Tears on my feet. Talk to us about the Nashville Tribute Band. Well, you bet. You know, this this thing is something that, it's, it's amazing when, all, when several of your passions, you know, you start to kill two birds with one stone. And of course, music is my passion and great people and great artists are my passion. But another thing is, is, is religion and just good. I mean, I don't really care if you really worship a rock or a fish or a, the sun or a cloud or, or a tree. Just do it and do it well and do it with passion. And uh, that, that's something I'll always respect and I'll always appreciate. And uh, so th- this thing, we National Tribute Band, if you go to nationaltribute.com, you can see a few things about it. But what we do is we put together events that um, and we do this program called Redeemer. And basically these events, the, the, the idea of them is to, for multiple churches of different, different believers of different religions to come together for one night and to forget all of our differences um, and to come together for one night for the, for the things that we have in common and to uh, do it for a reason, to feed souls and to feed people. And some of the more recent events we've done, one you mentioned, uh, Nampa or Boise, Idaho, we did uh, three times in a row. We did more than uh, 10,000 people in the Fort Idaho Center there, uh, more than 30 churches represented at each of those shows, and uh, more than 30,000 pounds of food per show were brought in to then distributed um, through local food banks in that area. Now, why, why is that awesome? Because we got off the boat at Plymouth Rock, you know, 
hundreds of years ago, and with all of our freedoms, it seems like one of the first things we did was start to draw lines and point fingers at each other and, and decide who was right and who was wrong. And potentially one of the most powerful forces for good in this world are believers coming together and leaning on each other and holding up this country and holding up the things that are important to us um, by, by unifying and by doing it for great causes. And I got to say it, we, we kind of suck at that uh, as Americans, and, and we've got to be better about that if we're going to hold this thing up. And, and religions are one way to do it. But in order to do that, it takes a lot of tolerance and it takes a lot of, hey, I respect the great things that you're doing with your religion. I respect those things. I don't agree with them all. Who cares? Tell me two people that agree with everything. Two married people don't agree with everything, but they sit there and they respect the good things and start with the things they have in common and build on it. And that's what makes friendships and that's what makes great things happen like, like families. So um, that's, what the, that's what it's all about. And we, we love it. We're, we're getting ready to amp this thing up and do shows all over the world with this thing. And um, um, it, there's nothing that I'm more passionate about right now. And you prove time and time again, Jason, that music really is the universal language, that if you create create and craft the right song with the right lyrical message and you create the right melody mix, you can break down barriers, and that's what you've been able to do from a spiritual perspective. Um, Talk to us about the message. Yeah. No, keep talking. Well, Sorry. I was just going to say, you know, uh, whether you believe in Jesus or whether you believe in the Bible or not, just just take Jesus, his example at, at face value as a human or as a son of God, however you want to do it. They're the Redeemer album that we uh, that we have out in the song you're getting ready to play in a few minutes. Uh, you're so kind to play. Um, it really, there's not a single song on the album that's about Jesus, although the whole album is about Jesus and about those events in the New Testament. Uh, but we, we, we chose to look at it from walking in the shoes of those that experienced him firsthand. And mm. those stories are amazing and valuable ways to treat people who are judged, to treat people who are um, treated not good enough. Um, and they're great ways for us all to treat each other. Um, in particular, on that one song, this is the woman who walks into the, the house of the Pharisee who had had Jesus uh, to dinner. Um, she was a sinner, had no right to be there, was, uh, had no right to be there for way more reasons than the fact that she was a sinner. And she just walked straight through the courtyard, walked straight in there and falls at his feet because having forgiveness for the things that, that she felt like that she had done wrong, um, and being her best, her was more important than anything that could have happened to her. And, that's a hero. I mean, I think she's been forever been called the woman who has taken sin. And I'd, I'd love it if that was crumpled up and thrown into the trash from everybody's uh, speech, speech about her from, from now on, because a hero does something about the things that they need to do to make themselves better. And she certainly did. Um, so 2000 years later, let's not talk about her anymore as a, as a, uh, woman taken in sin let's talk her to her let's talk about her as someone who did something about what she needed to do i love it jason you're so amazing again i've listened to this song five times tears on my feet (laughs) i'm emotional setting it up and what you've done brother 
is you've re- you've removed the stigmas from religion and allowed us to learn the lessons of life. Call it what you want, but Tears on My Feet teaches us exactly what you just taught, and that is forgiveness is a universal principle that we all need to live by. How do we download this song so that when we play it, we can just go to commercial message? No, uh, you bet. You can go to you can go to iTunes. Go to uh, the National Tribute Band and look for the Redeemer album. And the name of this particular song is "Tears on My Feet." And um, the tribute band with celebrities are performing it. And again, Jason, thanks so much for being on my show. God love you. We all love you. And I'll have you back. Tears on my feet, ladies and gentlemen, and then we'll go right to commercial break. I heard he'd be here tonight. I had but little to give But I had to try As I approached the courtyard Leading to where they dined My heart was racing and I Was terrified I tried to speak, but all I did was weep tears on his feet. I tried to skin my hair it's all I have my sins were scarlet in this room and I heard the gas I had some ointment mask that I owned in my hand
This is Dan Clark, voiceamerica.com on the Influencers Channel. You just heard an amazing song written by hit songwriter Jason Deere, performed by the Nashville Tribute Band. Just for the record, this is not a religious show. They say religion is for those of us who are afraid to go to hell, and spirituality is for those of us who have already been there. What a magnificent message for all of us, regardless of the religious tradition. It sets up the next guest, who's one of the most spiritual, lovely, amazing, beautiful human beings on our planet, Tara Starling. And you don't want to go anywhere. The beauty architect has been a celebrity makeup artist in the film and television industry for almost two decades. In fact, we met on the set of a wonderful movie. Don't go anywhere. Dan Clark, we're going to commercial message and we'll be right back with Tara Starling. We don't follow. We lead. Join us. The Voice America Influencers Channel. I just got out of a meeting where the unbelievable Dan Clark was the keynote speaker. He is clearly the most interesting man in the world. He's been into space. He reminded us to think bigger. He's a primary contributor to those chicken soup books. And he inspired all of us to make our lives matter. He taught us how to deal with change like he had to when he had to recover from a paralyzing football injury. Everybody needs to hear his message on leadership and safety and how he turns last place NFL teams into Super Bowl champions. Call this number, 1-800-676-1121 and visit danclark.com. I'm busy and so is my family. Leftover pizza and unhealthy takeout isn't really doing it for us anymore. Just ask my bathroom scale. That all changed when I found Freshly. For less than $10 a meal, Freshly delivers six meals a week, always fresh, never frozen, prepared by top chefs and nutritionists using the best, freshest, gluten-free ingredients. The best part is the menu is always new and fresh, just like the food, and it only takes three minutes for me to prepare breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and there's no messy cleanup and no dishes. My family loves the choices and the taste and freshly delivers to my home and my office so I eat healthy all day, every day. If you're tired of the same old cardboard delivery and takeout, try out Freshly.com today and save $20 on your first order using coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Your taste buds and your scale will thank you. So save 20 bucks today with coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Influence is often inherited, but more often created from our actions. The Voice America Influencers Channel brings together those who are creating and leading the way and those who will create the road from nowhere in the future. Being an influencer isn't always about being the most important person in the world. It's about being the most influential person in the world around you. A better manager, a better friend, a better marketer, or strategic planner. The Voice America Influencers Channel is about becoming better and earning influence. Be an influencer. Join us today. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired.
You're listening to The Art of Significance, featuring your host, Dan Clark. If you want to join in on this week's discussion, give us a call at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop Dan a line via email to Clark at xmission.com. Now back to The Art of Significance. Here again is Dan Clark. Welcome back. My next guest, Tara Starling. You've heard me talk about her all day today. What I want you to do is just visualize this blonde bombshell with startling blue eyes who is as beautiful on the outside as she is on the inside and who is as beautiful on the inside as she is on the outside. And that means that she is qualified to talk to us about her passion, which is the beauty architect. What a name, what a title. What would you put on your business card if you could actually create your own title? She's chosen the beauty architect, and she's been a celebrity makeup artist in the film and television industry for almost two decades, working with some of the most famous actors, models, athletes, and musicians in the business. When not on the set... She speaks to audiences all over the world on debunking the beauty myth. We're going to talk about that. Redefining beauty, oh my goodness, and living as the star of your own life. In addition to being a number one best-selling author, Tara is creator of The Real Beauty Revolution, launching this fall. We have to always look for that. And it's a multi-platform campaign to deconstruct the, the dangerous beauty expectations of the media and inspire men and women to create lives of true beauty. Look not on the outside. God looks on the inside. The countenance can fool you. Tara is the co-founder of Soul Food USA, a 501c3 not-for-profit organization which feeds the homeless twice a month, which is amusing to me. We are going to talk about what you feed them because it's my favorite. It's one of my four food (laughs) groups, actually. And you foster humanitarianism on a local and individual level. As a member of the Global Life Vision Team, Tara has also traveled to India and Africa. You should see the photos she sends back and posts. They're so amazing. Connecting with the, 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 uh, the indigent, teaching ideal life vision and helping to set up various self-sustaining programs to lift women out of generational poverty. The most intriguing part of your resume that could go on and on, I found, is that chocolate (laughs) is the base of her food pyramid, and she dreams of creating a functional, fancy farm. Ladies and gentlemen, Tara Starling, (laughs) talk to me, my dear, dear friend. Oh, Dan, it is such an honor and a delight and a blessing to be with you today. You are one of those people from the very moment I met you. I remember that moment. It was on the set of High School Musical 2. Your beautiful daughter was one of the stars. And you would come every day and hang out on the set. And then you'd be like, is there anything we can get for you? And every day you'd make a little run to the 7-Eleven and get us our big Diet Cokes. Because a Diet Coke out of a sound machine is way better than Diet Coke out of a can. And you said something to me. I don't know if you remember this conversation, but one of the first conversations that you and I had changed the entire trajectory of my life. We were sitting by the pool, uh, waiting for the camera to set up for the next scene, and we were talking about some of the books that you had written and the things that you do and the way that you impact the world. And you, in your typical, humble, outward-focused way, you always turn the conversation around to the person that you're with. And you said to me, This one sentence, which has changed so much, you said, every person has a book inside of them. 
And mm. it may have been something that you said in passing, but those words hit a bullseye inside my soul and were created a blueprint for the rest of my life. So I have just loved and adored you and thanked God for you ever since that day by the pool on High School Musical 2. You're so funny. The feeling's mutual. And I think every listener needs to identify those individuals who come into our lives for a reason. And we have to agree that things happen for a reason, but it's our responsibility to determine what those reasons are. And you and I keep running into each other at fundraisers, at charitable events, at extraordinary, in extraordinary situations where you are giving more than you've ever taken away. What I think would be interesting to our, our listeners is how in the world did you become a makeup artist to the stars? How did you break into this when there's so many folks, I suppose every woman on the planet, at least the women in my life, they wake up early enough to put on their makeup. And they try and strive to become artists, makeup artists, so that they don't look like a clown when they walk out the door. And I would have never made a really good woman. I would have just woke up and said, no, this is it. This is all all I'll ever be. And you've been able to take this makeup to an artist level and then be requested by some of the greatest producers, some of the greatest directors on our planet to participate in making their stars look everything that they have the potential to be. When did you get your break? How did you break into the business? You know, I, I, I'm almost embarrassed to say, but it was kind of by accident. I, I grew up wanting to be a singer, a dancer, and a dolphin trainer. And somehow I thought I would do them all at the same time. And then when I got into college and I thought, well, maybe I should focus on one thing first and then go to the other second. And if I, God willing, I'll always have my mental faculties. I can study cetaceans later in life, be the, you know, the female Jacques Cousteau. But if I'm going to perform, this, this is probably the time to do it when I'm young and single. So I was studying performing arts and I am... Um, had to take a makeup class as one of our required electives. And it was the beginning makeup for film and television and theater. And I remember the day that they showed us how to make bruises and cuts. They called them grossies and gories. Janet Swenson was my teacher. This lady, another human being that just changed the entire trajectory of my life without even realizing it. And I thought, this is so cool that you can take something that's that's artificial and make it look real and tell a story with it. And and I just kind of kept taking classes and people started asking me to work on their student films and one thing led to another. And before I knew it, I was working full-time as a makeup artist. And I say it's by accident, but I don't believe in accidents. I believe in Mm. divine appointments. And Mm. I believe that in spite of our own best and worst intentions, the good Lord will make sure that we're on the path to learn the things we need to learn so that we're able to serve the missions that we came here to serve. And what I could not have known at the time was that my own journey in learning to redefine beauty and how the path through being a makeup artist would take me on that journey. I could have never anticipated how critical that was for me as a person and how great of a mission that would become in helping women and men, because the beauty myth affects both, both genders, but helping people stop just being extras in their own movies and living as stars of their own lives. Uh, So profound. So who's one of the most interesting superstars that you've had a chance to work with? 
You know, everybody is so interesting. I think every human being is just fascinating. But one of the most influential celebrities I've ever worked with was Anthony Hopkins. Mm. He's always been one of my favorite actors. And very seldom do I get starstruck just because it's work. I mean, one time I did Harry Connick Jr.'s makeup and I was completely starstruck. I just had to like (laughs) check everything in my mind, in my inside voice before I said it in my outside voice. But, um... That's but funny. Anthony Hopkins, he um, he was one of those people that I was a little bit nervous to meet at first, just because I you know loved him and respected and admired him for so long, and he was such a delightful surprise because I learned more about what true beauty, what creating a beautiful life and a beautiful world around you means from watching him. I mean, he, 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 his level of consideration and kindness and compassion and thoughtfulness was unrivaled. Every day when we would take the van from the makeup trailer out to set, it was about a 10, 15-minute ride, and there's this thing called a call sheet, which is basically our, what we're filming that day. Everything that we're filming is on the front, and then everyone who's on the crew, their names and their department and their assignments on the back. So on the way from the makeup trailer to set, we'd pull out the call sheet and he would have us quiz him on everybody's name so that when we got out of the van on set, he could greet every single person by their name, even the person whose job was literally to move the trash can from one part of set to another. And he treated that last assistant the same way he treated the director. And I thought, Uh "That's, that's the person I want to be. I want to be the person that makes everybody feel like the star. Wow. So who's one of the great directors? I remember meeting Kenny Ortega on set and having a chance to interact with him several times over the years. And in the tragic death of Michael Jackson, Kenny Ortega was actually the choreographer of his new launched tour that was going to start in, in Great Britain. Tell me about working with someone so creative and so demanding as Kenny Ortega. Oh, you know, Kenny is, oh, I just have such a huge place in my heart for him. He's a creative genius. That everybody knows. If you look at what he's, uh, what he's made and created and choreographed and his vision, it's just unsurpassed. Working with him on the high school musical movies was a particular treat because when I had been in college studying musical theater, I had actually studied about Kenny Ortega and the great uh, choreography work that he had done. But one thing that I really came to, one out of so many that I came to just respect and admire so much about Kenny was his sense of accountability and honesty. There was... um there was, this is actually on High School Musical 2 as well. He, he directed us in all three movies. But there was a couple of days when the, the first AD wasn't necessarily the first assistant director, and he's the one that kind of runs the set for the director. And the, the information just wasn't making it to set accurately in terms of how long it was taking the actors to get out of hair and makeup. And so um, it's kind of like the telephone game. Sometimes the... the the information breaks down in transit. And so what they were hearing on set, which was a couple of miles away from our base camp where the makeup trailers were located, was that the actors were taking too long in hair and makeup. But what was actually happening is they were in and out of the trailer in record time. And Kenny had expressed his frustration that they were taking so long in makeup. And that kind of hurt our feelings because we were just busting our butts backwards, forwards, seven ways from Sunday. And, um, and when he found out 
what was really happening and that the information that he received was inaccurate and that we felt kind of badly that we felt like we'd kind of been thrown under the bus in front of the whole crew, he left set. He got in a van and drove all the way down to base camp. He came into our trailer and he said, I want you to know that I'm sorry. I got wrong information and I want you to know how much I appreciate what you're doing. You are vital to this movie. You're making everyone look incredible. I am sorry that was on me. I hope you accept my apologies. And for a director to take that time away from production to come down and take accountability and express appreciation just floored me. And then when the third movie came along, it was a big studio film at that point, and they wanted to bring all the crew in from L.A. And Kenny stood up for the crew. He said, no. He said, every single one of these people that has made High School Musical 1 and High School Musical 2, they are part of the magic. It's not just me. It's not just the cast. It's not just the music. It is the touch of every single person, and they Mm. are all a part of this movie. And if I'm going to do it, they are going to do it. Wow. So I, I will always cheer for Kenny. I love it. Our guest is Tara Starling, the beauty architect. She's been a celebrity makeup artist in the film and television industry for way over 20 years, which means you started when you were about seven. I want to come back. I want to take a commercial break here, get some folks to pay for this amazing show. Let's go to commercial break right now. We're coming back with Tara Starling to talk about how in the world she travels the world and speaks on debunking the beauty myth, redefining beauty, and living as the star of your own life. Back in a moment. Hear the stories. Be motivated. Be inspired. Join us today. Voice America Influencers. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Life is complicated and sometimes we all need a little help, but don't have the time for a full hour-long session or don't know who to turn to. That's where BetterHelp comes into play. With BetterHelp, I can get matched with one of over 2,500 licensed and approved counselors and therapists and get help anytime, anywhere, totally private. For a flat weekly fee starting at $35, I can connect with my counselor via text, chat, video conference, or phone, which is great for me because I'm always on the go. And I can go back to previous sessions whenever I want through my secure account from anywhere in the world. It's a great feeling to know that help is there, affordable, private, and convenient to my schedule. We all can use a little help. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash VA health and register for free. You can try it for seven days without being charged on your credit card and get matched with a licensed counselor usually within 24 hours. Get better help today at betterhelp.com forward slash VA health. 
Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit voiceamerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You're listening to The Art of Significance, featuring your host, Dan Clark. If you want to join in on this week's discussion, give us a call at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop Dan a line via email to Clark at xmission.com. Now back to The Art of Significance. Here again is Dan Clark. With my guest, Tara Starling, the beauty architect, I have to keep saying that, that just says it all, has been a celebrity makeup artist in the film and television industry for well over 20 years. That's where Tara and I met all those years ago. I love you. You know that. I honor you and everything you're about. I want to ask you a question. I have to delicately uh, coin it and couch it in a politically correct way (laughs) without saying anyone's name. Obviously, you've had some prima donnas in your trailer. Obviously, you've had some folks who show up who have read way too many of their own press clippings. And with your graciousness, your sophisticated elegance, your social graces, teach me, teach everybody how you seem to, in just a moment's time, mold them into mutual respect and support unconditional love that's one of the great attributes and qualities that you possess being able to take someone and completely transform their 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 attitude towards life and you so without saying anyone's name give us a perfect example <laughs> of, of some someone who came to you in makeup who had a horrible reputation and yet you refused to allow your preconceived notions to dictate how you're going to interact with him or her well, you know, it's interesting you ask that question because when people find out what I do for a living, they always want to know three things. Like, what's the my favorite project I've ever worked on, my favorite film? Who is my favorite celebrity I've worked on and who's been, like, the biggest problem or prima donna? Okay, and so let's, I, let's, let's answer those. Who's your favorite project? What's your favorite project? Oh, I think my favorite project is always the one that I'm currently working on because I'm so in love with the stories I get to tell. It's kind of like choosing your favorite child. You love them equally, but in different ways for different reasons. And I kind of feel that way about all of the movies that that I've worked on. I have to give a plug right now if I can. uh, We have a movie in the theaters right now in all the megaplexes in Utah called We Love You, Sally Carmichael. And it is a beautiful film. It's starring Chris Gorham and Betsy Tulloch and um, Sebastian Roche. And it's a beautiful film. You can take the whole family to it. And it, it just shows you how one person matters, no matter how insignificant you feel your gift is how it changes other people's lives. But I feel so blessed that every movie I'm on has something in it that touches me and changes my life. And so I know it's going to do the same for others. But in terms of difficult people, you know, I, it's production 
one of their jobs is setting up all of the departments so that they're able to be successful in what they've been tasked to do. And when there's an actor that's been a little bit difficult, a little bit demanding in pre-production, usually they'll give us a heads up. They'll be like, just so you know, this person is, you know, a little bit crunchy around the corners. And when I first started doing makeup, I kind of took it as like, okay, well, I'll show them who's boss. And what I found was that the things production warned me about turned out to be true. But as I grew up a little bit and kind of got over my own self a little bit, which is, you know, a a continual process, and as I learned a few things about what's really important in life, I decided to try and experiment. And regardless of what production told me, what I heard on the streets, what I read in the tabloids, I just decided that when they walked through the door of my trailer that I was going to meet the best version of them. I was going to meet the highest, most beautiful, most loving, most considerable version of themselves. Because, Dan, we all have multiple versions of ourselves. We have our good days and our bad days, and we have our strong links and our weak links. They're in every single one of us. So I just decided that when they walk through the door of my makeup trailer, I'm going to meet the best version of themselves. And, And that's how I treated them. And the interesting thing is, is that... Every single time that production had given me a heads up, it proved to not be true in my interactions with these wonderful people. They were just magnanimous with me, wonderful, gracious, kind. And what I discovered is that people will usually rise to the level of your love. Mm, If you decide to pour love into that person, people will usually rise to the level of your love. Sounds like a good country song we should have Jason back on. <laughs> yes, get him on right now. Speed dial. So let's uh, let's cut to uh, what, what you've got in the, in, in the oven right now. You have a book, a book coming out. What's the title? What's the message of the book? When can we expect it? And, uh, and teach us. One of the things that has intrigued me so much, you know, I've written so many books and I take a lot of pride in being able to write a, a lyric here or there for a song or a poem. And then all of a sudden you post one paragraph from your upcoming book that, that, that connects my head and my heart that was so melodic, that was so amazing. And I would comment each time, as you recall, and you have a way with words. You're a wordsmith. I, I want everyone to know that. They can tell by your eloquence on this on this program interview. But talk to us about this book and what it is about and when can we expect to be able to read it. Oh, Dan, you're so kind. Everybody needs a friend like you. Uh-huh. Um, I am so excited about this book. This book is called The Miracle Makeover, Foolproof Beauty That Changes the World. And I um, this book is kind of the the product of my own personal breakdown and breakthrough and debunking the beauty myth. Uh, You know, I, I was the girl in junior high in elementary school that everybody made fun of. I was the ugly girl. I was taller than all the boys, which of course they hated. And, um, but then I got attention from the boys because they were, you know, even bad attention is good attention sometimes. So the girls hated me because the boys were busy calling me names instead of paying attention to them. And I had acne from the time I was like two. It was just like a perfect storm for being made fun of. And so I believed all the words that they said. I believed that I was an ugly girl. And then 
when I got a little bit older and I got my first tube of mascara and all of a sudden you could see my eyelashes that had hitherto been invisible and I figured out how to do my hair a little differently, not quite so nerdy, people started changing the way they interacted with me and now instead of making fun of me and calling me names, boys were offering to walk me home and carry my books. But instead of thinking, oh, I'm pretty now, I thought, oh, I'm an ugly girl that's hiding behind a pretty mask. And for me, and this was long before I ever even knew makeup artistry was a job, but for me, makeup became a mask that I hid what I believed the ugly truth to be behind is that I was really an ugly girl and that because I wasn't beautiful, I wasn't worthy enough of love and I wasn't enough. And those those false beliefs that we're not beautiful, we're not worthy, and we're not enough, those beliefs underlie every single self-destructive, self-limiting, and self-sabotaging decision that a woman makes. And sure enough, as I carry these beliefs into adolescence and into adulthood, you know, things that are false are heavy. And the longer we carry around lies, the heavier they grow until they literally crack the foundations of our souls. And when I was in my late 30s, that's what happened. My, um, you know, and, and on the outside, I looked like the poster girl for success. I, you know, was tall and thin, had like 17% body fat. I had long blonde hair everywhere I went. People told me I was beautiful. I had a gorgeous husband who was a pilot. I had this amazing store with beautiful things in it, incredible career, working with movie stars. To look at me, a person would think she's got it together. She's got it all. But inside, just underneath the mascara, just underneath the foundation, just underneath the lip gloss, I felt like the hugest fraud. And I felt like the moment somebody saw past the mask and to the girl hiding inside, they would be horrified and I would be exposed and I would lose everything that I had worked so hard to, to gain and to create in my life. But, you know, we, we can only carry around the heaviness of lies for so long before our heart breaks and our souls break and the foundation breaks. And that's what happened to me in my life. My marriage was destroyed. My, my business had problems. My health spiraled downward. And I got to a point where I was literally in the fetal position for seven months begging God to let me leave this life because I knew I couldn't take my own life. It would hurt my mother too much. And I love her more than anything in the world. But I thought I had so little value, so little worth, so little place in this world that I just begged God to let me not exist anymore. And then one day I realized that I had been looking in the wrong mirror my whole entire life. I had been looking in the mirror of the world's definition of beauty, the media's recreation of beauty. And that mirror is always going to be cracked. You know, if you, if you crack a mirror and you look at it, it doesn't matter how close you get or how many times you try and clean that mirror, you're going to see a distorted reflection of who you are. I realized that I had been looking in the world's mirror my entire life. And if I, needed, if I wanted to see who I really was and what my soul really looked like, I needed to look in a different mirror. I needed to redefine beauty. I needed to find a real definition that was based on truth and not on lies. And that began my journey of really studying, like, what is beauty? Why is it important to us? Why, does we, why do we want it? Why does it matter? And what does it create in our lives? And Dan, I, you know, I remember during this time, I had the great fortune of meeting Lisa Nichols, who I know you know, and yeah. she, she was actually the, um, I co-authored my first book with her, and 
I remember her sitting, and I was sitting in the room with her, and her saying, there will come a time when you will not recognize your life. You will look back, and you will not even believe, you, the only way you'll know that it was your life is because you were there, but there will come a time that you will not recognize your life. And at that point, I thought, mm, it's easy for you to say Lisa Nichols because you've published all these books, and you're influencing all these people, and you have it all together, but you don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. You don't know the ugliness inside of me, but damn, she was right. That mm. journey of redefining beauty, of debunking the beauty myths, of of Im- employing the concepts and the ideas underneath, behind, and around the miracle makeover, they have made my life unrecognizable. Is my life perfect? No. Am I perfect? Absolutely not. But what I have found is that when we live our lives based on the principles of true beauty, when we employ the steps of a miracle makeover, not, you know... You can go to Instagram and Facebook and YouTube, and you can find a million makeup tutorials. And there's some phenomenally talented makeup artists that make some really beautiful aesthetics, and they're incredible. And I love those people. I watch those. They're great. I go to them for inspiration all the time for some of the characters I create. But at the end of the day, if what we think is beautiful about ourselves washes down the drain when Mm. we wash our face at the end of the night, we are buying into the beauty myth and we are selling our soul for a couple of likes. Wow. Beauty, the kind of beauty that lasts, the kind of beauty that not only changes us, but changes the world. I have seen this day in and day out. The kind of beauty that changes us, that changes the world, is not found in a bottle. It's our birthright. And mm. so in this journey, I learned the steps of the miracle makeover, how to find that beauty, how to internalize it, how to live it, how to share it. And that's the name so of your new book, right? Part. Yeah. The Miracle, Miracle Makeover. Makeover. And when can Both we expect it? When, when is that going to come out, do you think? Um, probably early 2018. All right. I can't, I can't thank you enough for being on the show. I'm going to have you back. Unbelievable metaphors, unbelievable lessons in life. Tara Starling. This is Dan Clark on the, the VoiceAmerica.com radio network. Influencers Channel. Tara Starling's been my guest, the beauty architect. Coming up after commercial break is Keith Stubbs. Yes, Tara has taken us into the spiritual realm, the realm, the the introspective realm of who we are in personal development. And so it's so appropriate that we conclude this show with the humorous side of knowing ourselves, of accepting us for what we are. For those of you who know who, who I am and what I do, you'll know that I hate being called a motivational speaker. They are shallow. They always say stupid things like we become what we think about, and that's not true. If that was true, I'd have been a woman by the time I was 12 years old. Heck, I would have been Tara Starling. I want to be an inspirational speaker, but part of our journey has to be filled with laughter. And an, an opportunity to escape. My next guest is Keith Stubbs, who's a triple threat in showbiz and entertainment. He's a hilarious stand-up comedian, talented actor, and award-winning radio personality. We're going to commercial message. Do not go anywhere. We will laugh our guts out until the show concludes. Again, Tara, I love you. We all love you. We honor we you. Thanks you, for the blessing you are to, in, in all of our lives. And I'll have you back. Dan Clark going to commercial message back. Thanks. Keith Stubbs coming up. 
Hear the stories. Be motivated. Be inspired. Join us today. Voice America Influencers. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit VoiceAmerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. If you're an event meeting planner like me, you have two ongoing challenges. You can't afford to have a speaker who bombs. And when you do have an amazing speaker, who in the world do you bring into next year's meeting that will top them? Well, you never have to worry again. Book Dan Clark. Dan Clark is one of the most incredible human beings on the planet. He's been named one of the top 10 speakers in the world. He's known for customizing his speech around your meeting theme. So your people leave with benefits that last a lifetime. Here's the number, 1-800-676-1121. Or just visit danclark.com. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You're listening to The Art of Significance, featuring your host, Dan Clark. If you want to join in on this week's discussion, give us a call at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop down a line via email to danclark at xmission.com. Now back to the art of significance. Here again is Dan Clark. What a show. For those of you who have been on for the entire two-hour show with obviously time to go in that two-hour slot, we've we've talked to Jason Deere, a hit songwriter, and he took us to a, a pop song, country hit but he also took us to the melancholy place where we can be introspective about the lessons we need to learn about something larger than ourselves that goes beyond the grave. And now we've had a chance to talk to Tara Starling about inner beauty that really comes out. And of course, if you believe as I believe that every day, if we think, if someone challenges our beliefs every day, if someone makes us laugh so hard and we seek out comedy clubs like Wise Guys, and then we can cry tears of joy, tears of, of, of comfort. That is a heck of a day. And in that format, if we can laugh and think and cry, that's a heck of a radio show. So we have got to, to, to leave on a high note. And there's no one better on this planet than Keith Stubbs. As I continuously say as we go from section to section, Keith is a triple threat in showbiz and entertainment. He's a hilarious stand-up comedian, talented actor, and award-winning radio personality. Keith has made television appearances on A&E's An Evening at the Improv, nationally syndicated comedy TV, ABC's America's Funniest People, and has established himself as a funny improv- improvisational, I'm a dumb football player, I'm glad I could say that word, <laughs> improvisational comic, host, Roast Master, can't wait to talk about that, and MC Keith tours nationally and has shared the stage with showbiz legends Joan Rivers, Jeff Foxworthy, Bill Cosby, Jim Caffigan, Sinbad, Gladys Knight, and obviously Frank Caliendo. Keith was one of five comedians who performed for the athletes in the Olympic Village at the 2002 Winter Games. 
And you got to know that Stubbs currently plays Rob Schneider's accountant in the TV series Real Rob on Netflix. I could go on and on. As you all know, I live here in Utah proudly. And one of the cool things that Keith Stubbs has done is not only is he a brilliant and award-winning radio personality, but he is invested in our community and owns our comedy club called Wise Guys and brings in the top talent to make us laugh whenever we need a good laugh. Keith, welcome to my show, brother. I don't know if I can follow that, uh, that intro. Holy smoke, it almost sounds legit. Yeah, you're so funny, man. Your mom wrote it, and then you edited it. That's great. I'm sorry I had to cut the 19 pages you sent me down to like three paragraphs, bro. I know, I know. But thanks for uh, all the kind words. Now, we met many years ago, but I can tell you this, Dan. I saw you perform. I did not mention this earlier, but I saw you perform. I believe, did you do a show with Thurl Bailey at Kingsbury Hall? (laughs) Yeah, I did. That's funny. You were there. You were there. there. It was terrific. Yeah, it's Thurl Bailey. For those of you who are listening, he won the national NCAA basketball champion playing for the famous Jimmy Valvano at North Carolina State University back in 1983. Mm -hmm. He's a seven-foot African-American gentleman who played in the NBA and played for our beloved Utah Jazz for many, many years. And if you remember that night, brother, I introduced him. I said, you know, once I saw Thurl Bailey, I knew he was going to be an inspiration in my life. I said he was drafted number one by the Jazz, and in his first game, he was assigned to guard Michael Jordan for the Bulls. And I said, and after <laughs> Thurl Bailey held Michael Jordan to 67 points in the first half, I knew he was going to be an inspiration in my life. <laughs> and from that day on, Thurl has never forgiven me. He's like, that's not funny, man. That's not true. I'm like, that hey, bite me. <laughs> <laughs> so talk to me. How do you... I don't even know where to begin in your career. I want to know when you discovered that you could naturally make people laugh and that it wasn't a thorn in the side as our English teachers in junior high and high school made us believe, but it was an actual talent and something that all of us crave more and more as life goes on. Well, I'll tell you this, Dan. I believe that I was a thorn in the side of the school teachers. I was one of those guys. Remember back in the day when you'd get your report card and they would make they would write comments on there like uh, Keith is doing great or Keith is an asset to the class. I would get the other comments like if Keith wouldn't spend so much time disrupting the others and trying to make them laugh, he would be a better student. So I got a lot of those as a young fellow when I was growing up in South Carolina, which is where I'm originally from. But I come from a large family, and there's a lot of funny people in my family. We kind of go at each other a little bit. And I think that's where I learned my place. I'm fifth out of seven kids. And I think that's kind of where I learned that maybe I could make people laugh. Never professionally, but I'd always love comedy and stand-up comedy and great comedians. So how do you write your material? Do you just look for instances in life? Is your head on a constant swivel like a good linebacker? Teach us all about how you come up with your comedic ideas, how you write your bits, how do you write your material? Well, you know, when I first started doing stand-up comedy, I took a comedy class, is what I did. There was a comedy teacher named Judy Carter down in Southern California, and she'd appeared on The Tonight Show and other things. And I took a class because I thought, man, I can do this. I can be funny, but I had no idea how to write jokes. So I took her class, and she kind of had a formula that you would use. And that I was able to use that formula to help me write jokes at that time that would get me laughs. However... 
as I've continued to do comedy over the years, many years, because I started doing it in 91, you get better at it, and you know what will work for you, for your voice, for who you are, your personality, your sensibilities, what you think about, your opinions. So eventually, the formula, I'm totally away from that, but that did help me kind of gain confidence and get a few laughs when I was on stage. But now the way I write jokes, I'm very topical, I'm very spur of the moment, I'm very improvisational, and I'm very much whatever is on the in my mind. So if there's something I want to address, if there's something that bothers me right that minute or makes me really happy right that minute and I'm on stage, then I'm all over it. And then I talk about it. And it's much easier for me to write material these days and over the last few years because I feel like I'm pretty much dialed in to who I am. You know, one thing about comedy, Dan, especially, and you know this, as you get on stage, the hardest the most difficult part about doing comedy, I believe, is being yourself at the beginning. And the reason why is because it's so difficult. You're putting yourself out there. You're probably going to eat it. You're probably going to tank. They're probably not going to laugh. So what a lot of comics do, a lot of people do, they maybe imitate other comedians or they're not themselves while they're on stage. And as you gain more confidence, you get laughs, you feel better about yourself, then it's easier to be who you actually are. But until you hit that point... It is really, really difficult. Yeah, you're bringing up a sore spot for me. A lot of people ask me how I prepare for my speeches, and I'm like, well, as they start the introduction, I drop to my knees and pray to God that the drugs I took back in the 70s will start to take effect. (laughs) (laughs) And now everybody listening, my mom's going to call and I go, you took drugs? I'm like, no, mother, it was medicinal. (laughs) So talk to us, man. Have Have you ever bombed, and then what did you do about it? Oh, my gosh. I have had some of the worst experiences. And the thing about comedians, we all remember the bad things. We all remember when it doesn't go so well. As an entertainer, I think most people remember the stories when they get booed off stage. Uh, but there's so many great moments that you remember the bad ones. One time I was doing a show for a high school reunion, and it was actually in Ogden, Utah. And I was running a few minutes late, and it was in a banquet room at a Marriott. And I was running late, and it was for a class reunion for maybe 20 years prior to that. So they said, hey, you're running late. Let's get you going. Get on stage. Go. So I got on stage, and I started doing stuff, and it was going really well, like really well. I was like, okay, I got this thing. And behind me was this wall of all these pictures of different people from the, from the school. And I thought, oh, well, so where's Karen? And there would be a picture of Karen there. Where is she? What's going on? And where's Steve? And where's Steve with that afro? What, where, you still got that haircut, Steve? Well, I thought those were like the senior superlatives from the school. They weren't. These were the students that had passed on. Oh. And I was, I, was, I didn't know because I was late. So no one told me, by the way, that wall of pictures right there, those are people who are now deceased. I was making fun of those people. I didn't know it. But I can tell you, I was, I, was, I was going, things were going great, and then I looked in the eyes of a couple people in the very front, and they kind of gave me that look of like, oh, man, no, no. And I, it clicked in my head. I felt, I felt like sweat because <laughs> I felt horrible because I, w- I would never have done anything like that, but I didn't know. So I've had experiences like that. I've had experiences where I've opened in concerts. For celebrities, I opened in concert for some uh, for Salt and Pepper. Remember Salt and Pepper? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there were ten thousand people. It was in Sacramento at the Cal Expo, 
And they asked me, I had done a radio show that morning. They said, hey, yeah, you'd be great. Why don't you come be the opening act? So I went out there. Well, let's just put it this way. I don't think I was the demographic for that. <laughs> it did not go well at all. I was supposed to do only five minutes, Dan, and I lasted two minutes. <laughs> two minutes on stage. They gave me my concert T-shirt and 200 bucks, and I was out of there. It was, it was absolutely just, just horrible. But for the most part, shows aren't that way. If, if, if all the shows were that way, I mean, I don't think anyone would be doing it. We'd all quit. So teach us about when is it appropriate to use foul language, if ever, or is that a cheap way to get a laugh? Because you are so famous for making us laugh without having to go down that that blue uh, alleyway. Teach us about uh, about how you decide um, when to put in that punch, when to take us to uh, uh, a, a the wild side, if you will, if that's appropriate at all. Yeah, you know, uh, for, for me personally, it's just not my thing. I don't really judge people that do. I mean, funny is funny. Some comics do it. Some comics don't. It's their decision. You know, there's plenty of really, really funny, clean comics that don't do uh, don't use profanity or any language like that or even much innuendo, and there's plenty to do. And I said, it's just a choice as an artist, just like some artists play heavy metal and some play jazz and some play soft rock. It's a, it's a choice that performers make. But for me, I prefer to go clean. I want my kids to be able to sit in the audience and attend my show, even though they may not get my jokes. They may think, what is he even talking about? That's okay. But I don't want them to cringe or feel that their dad is doing something that, that he knows he, he shouldn't do and that I've taught them, hopefully, that they won't do. So if I'm up there doing things that are out of line and not consistent with what I believe, then that's a real problem. So for me, I don't do it. At the same time, different strokes for different folks. If comedians want to do it, I've got no problem with that. Absolutely, and I remember you hosted Keith Stubbs Sports on ESPN 700 in Salt Lake City, and you've appeared nationally on CMT Radio and the Blue Collar Comedy Channel on Sirius XM. So as a professional speaker, because we have so many of my listeners who actually are Toastmasters, who are part of the National Speakers Association, who want to do what you and I do, Teach us for a moment about the significance of adding humor into a story. What would you suggest? Is there a formula? Do you take a story and then figure out what parts of the story really could be funny? Teach us about what you know, because you're definitely the expert. Well, you know, last week I did a show for a uh, bunch of executives that were all from a credit union here in Utah, actually. So there was about 20 of them at a conference table, in an office building, waiting for their lunch. And you know what that's like. That's like they're ready to eat. They've been sitting in meetings. Let's go. But what they asked me to do was not just stand-up comedy, but talk a little bit about myself and talk a little bit about my business experiences because I've had several business experiences and then my life as far as being a stand-up comic. So what I try to do is I, I want to be entertaining. I want people to look at me when I'm talking to them. And I know when they're tuning out. That's one thing about, as a performer, I can tell. Like if I do a show and someone says, oh, you lost him with that joke. Well, you don't think I know that? Because I can tell you. I, I, I wish I could have prohibited it, 
But don't think for a second as performers and speakers and entertainers that the audience is totally clocked out on what you're saying. So when I'm giving a speech, speaking to anyone, uh, or doing stand-up comedy, I try my best to connect with the audience and also imagine myself in the audience and would I like that? Would I be listening to that? Would I be entertained by that? So in my own little weird mind, I say, okay, Keith, if you were watching yourself, and I tell this a lot of times to new comedians, they go, well, what'd you think of my set? I go, well, let me ask you this. Would you pay money to see what you just did? Would you be entertained for those 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 45 minutes that you're on stage? Would you be entertained by what you just did? If you could somehow separate yourself and put yourself in that audience, or would you roll your eyes? Or would you have clocked out? Or would you have been bored? Or would you have grabbed your cell phone and started texting people? Because if that happens, then you've got to make some kind of an adjustment. Or maybe, maybe it's not for you. <laughs> but, but you've got to make some kind of adjustment. So I think that we, I think we should be our own best critic because I think we know what we have. You know, when we talked about comedy earlier, Dan, I, I always thought in high school, I thought, okay, I would do impressions. Back then I would do Richard Nixon impressions and Muhammad Ali and that type of thing. But I thought I can do stand-up comedy. So when I was living in Southern California, I went to the comedy store. And at the comedy store, they have comedians on every 15 minutes. And this is before I tried stand-up comedy. And I would go buy a ticket, and I would sit in the comedy store by myself, and I would watch the comedians one after another. And these are a lot of famous comedians. Uh, you'd see Sam Kennison on there, Paulie Shore. You'd see this crazy variety of comedians. And as someone who had hoped to get into the stand-up comedy business, I watched each of these comedians perform. I watched their sets, and in my own clueless mind, I would watch them and say, okay, I can do that. I'm not saying I'm as funny as that person, but I could say, I can get to that point. And then someone else would come on and I'd go, well, I can't do that. That person is phenomenal. But I would kind of compare myself, even though I had nothing to show for it. I had no track record. I had no jokes. All I had was this inkling that I wanted to try to get into it. And I tried to size myself up against all of these comedians that would go on one after another after another. And these were all professional comedians. And that gave me some kind of a reference point to say, okay, if I think I can get to this point, this is worth pursuing in my mind. And, of course, it may or may not be the case. But that's what was in my mind before I even decided to actually try this for real, like as a career, and really put my heart and soul into it. I love it. Our guest, Keith Stubbs. VoiceAmerica.com Influencers Channel. I want to give you a moment. I want to go to a commercial break right now, Keith, so that I can give you a moment and put you on the spot. When we come back in just a couple of minutes, share with us, I think I should ask you, what is one of your funniest bits? What is one of your funniest things that you can uh, can share with us, even though I know you're improv, but there's got to be something you could do. I know my voice sounds like I've been smoking four packs of filterless camels a day, so don't start. So don't start on me. But we'll come back and just laugh our way till the end of the show. This is uh, Dan Clark, stud muffin, hunk of burning love, Keith Stubbs, triple threat in showbiz and entertainment is my guest. Let's go to commercial break, and we'll be right back to right back to laugh, laugh, laugh. the stories. Be motivated. 
Be inspired. Join us today. Voice America Influencers. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit VoiceAmerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. If you're an event meeting planner like me, you have two ongoing challenges. You can't afford to have a speaker who bombs. And when you do have an amazing speaker, who in the world do you bring into next year's meeting that will top them? Well, you never have to worry again. Book Dan Clark. Dan Clark is one of the most incredible human beings on the planet. He's been named one of the top 10 speakers in the world. He's known for customizing his speech around your meeting theme. So your people leave with benefits that last a lifetime. Here's the number, 1-800-676-1121, or just visit danclark.com. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You're listening to The Art of Significance, featuring your host, Dan Clark. If you want to join in on this week's discussion, give us a call at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop down a line via email to danclark at xmission.com. Now back to the art of significance. Here again is Dan Clark. And my guest is Keith Stubbs. I live here in Salt Lake City, Utah. I'm fortunate for our community, so does Keith, because for the last eight consecutive years, Keith was awarded Best Radio Personality by the Utah Broadcasters Association for his time spent as host of The Stubbs Show on our beloved 101.5, The Eagle. This is an international show, so I don't want to just give highlights to our Utahns. I really have not done that. I'm just fortunate enough to call you friend, brother. Make us laugh. Talk to us about why, why, why you do, why you think the way you think. You know, I mean, if you had a raisin stuck up your nose, how does that make us laugh? Come on, bro. <laughs> I don't think I've ever had a raisin. Yeah, yeah stuck great, up great, my nose. great, great entree, Dan. Sorry. But I'll, t- I'll tell you this, man, there's nothing better than having people laugh and enjoy the show and feel good and tell you that they feel good. It's, uh, it, it, there's just nothing like it as an entertainer. But the news is full of stories. There's always something going on, especially with our new president. It's in a nice stand that everybody seems to be getting along these days. There's no, there's no controversy. <laughs> the, everyone's just fine and relaxed. And uh, everyone's seeing the same way. You know what's crazy is that you got Donald Trump. He's our president. Uh, whether you like him or not, it doesn't really matter. Barack Obama, here's the problem. Here's the problem. Barack Obama, when he was president, we got this Kim Jong-un character over here in North Korea. The guy hates our guts. And how pathetic <laughs> is it when things are so bad that we're sending Dennis Rodman to negotiate on our behalf with North Korea. How pathetic is that that we're sending the worm? Dennis Rodman, you know, with his nose pierced and his ear pierced, you pull it down, it stops the bus. Dennis Rodman negotiating with King Jong-un with a haircut from Kid and Play. Let me tell you something. This guy says that he has missiles in North Korea that he can launch. They're saying, and they're actually testing them. It's in the news today, Dan. They're saying they have missiles they can launch from North Korea that can land all the way here in the United States. I'm not worried about North Korea. You want to know why, Dan? 
Because I used to own a Hyundai, that's why. There's no way the missile will make it all be here, man. About halfway through, the check engine line will come on. That thing will start dripping oil. My car had a tendency to pull to the left that the horse is going to hit Canada. And I don't care about Canada. They're insignificant, and their Diet Coke tastes funky. Have you been to, oh, that's you so been funny. to Canada? You're so out of control, yeah. And the reason why they have a rear defroster in a Hyundai is so your your hands don't get cold when you're pushing at home. That's funny. <laughs> That's the truth. I get it, man. That's the truth. I got a speeding ticket, actually, in my Ford Fiesta. This is true. I got a speeding ticket at the airport in the white zone for going 18 and a 15. That is the honest truth. 18 and a 15, I swear this is true. A lady officer with total attitude comes up, yeah, thanks, you going, sir. Uh, well, I have no idea. You walk up here and stop me for crying out loud. <laughs> and go through the airport. You travel a lot. I travel my share. But traveling these days is absolutely horrible. It's, it, before, remember the good old days, Dan, when you're running late from the airport, your friend could drop you off at the airport. You can go running through there, jumping over luggage like O.J. Simpson. Yeah, Try yeah. running through the airport these days. You've been getting a stun gun to the ribs. I'm telling you, going through security, TSA, are you TSA pre-approved? I bet you are, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what I need yeah. to get because standing in line is absolutely horrible. You have to practically get undressed. You have to take off your belt, take out your keys, hide your Koran. It's almost <laughs> impossible to get through the airport. Hey, I'm used to a bigger audience, by the way. No, this is so funny. My face hurts. You're just killing me. Yeah. yeah, I was the other day. I went through airport security. I was frisked so completely. We still write. Yeah, I relate to you, brother. That's funny, man. You're out of control. So let's talk about your 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 business adventure here called Wise Guys. Is that a national franchise? Tell us tell us about your your comedy store, your comedy club. You know what? I was living in Los Angeles, and I decided a long time ago that I wanted to live away from L.A., because it's a little bit crazy down there. And I opened a comedy club called Wise Guys up here in Utah. We have one in downtown Salt Lake City, one in Ogden. But the idea was I had toured all over the place, up into Canada, all over the United States, and played various comedy clubs and theaters and bars and one-nighters and dumps. And I thought, you know what, if I ever have a chance to open a comedy club, I'm going to do it a certain way. Based on all those things, I always, when I used to drive down the road eight hours to go do a horrible gig at a bar, I thought... If I ever have a chance to own my own place, I'm going to do it my way. So that's basically what I've done. We opened in 2001, uh, Wise Guys, and we bring in great headliners, a diverse level of talent, comedians from Saturday Night Live, just all over the place, and they all play at Wise Guys. And uh, it's a family-owned business. It's my wife, Noelle, and me. And if my kids decide they want it one day, they can have it. And if not, they can shut her down. (laughs) So on behalf of your other comedy clubs nationwide, what, what would be the two or three of your most favorite and best experiences that we could actually put a shout out to right now and encourage everybody to support those? And then as we conclude, I want you to give us how we, how we can get in touch with you and where your Wise Guy programs are. Well, Wise Guys, the website is wiseguyscomedy.com. And some of the big shows that we have coming up, we have Norm MacDonald from Saturday Night Live, David Spade oh, yeah. is coming back from Saturday Night Live also. But the big news is, is that this is the huge news, is that I'm headlining this this weekend. This Friday and Saturday, I'm performing at Wise Guys in downtown Ogden. There's one show a night, 
8 o'clock on Friday and Saturday, and that link is right there on the website at wiseguyscomedy.com. Look for a picture of me uh, with my glasses, and that's me. Click on that, get tickets, and hopefully come enjoy yourself. Yeah, and I'll be there to greet people and uh, hopefully sell some of my books in the back. I've put your picture on the cover of my book, and they've been starting to sell again like hotcakes. So I want to thank you for that. You've actually rekindled and re-kickstarted my career. <laughs> I love you, brother. It's an honor to have you on the show, and I want you back. We need to have a reoccurring comedian, a reoccurring expert in, uh, in why we need to smile and why we need to laugh and uh, the benefits physically, mentally, spiritually of laughing and, and connecting at that, that level. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest has been Keith Stubbs, and you've seen him on A&E's An Evening at the Improv, nationally syndicated comedy, TV, ABC's America's Funniest People, and has established himself as a funny improvisational comic host, roadmaster and MC owns Wise Guys. Check him out online. Love you, brother. This is Dan Clark, voiceamerica.com, the Influencers Channel. We'll see you next week. Look for the e-card promos of my guests coming up next week. And join us again to laugh, to think, to cry, to feel, and leave the air together saying, I like me best when I'm with you. I want to see you again. God bless our military troops wherever they may be. Bring them home safely. And you all have a great week. Thanks for being part of the show. Be sure to join Dan Clark next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time, for another edition of The Art of Significance on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Remember, you too can achieve the level beyond success.